I V M. Welcome to All Things Policy, a daily podcast supported by Pragati, a flagship media initiative of the Takshashila Institution. We're a bunch of policy nerds based in Bengaluru, and we like to bring a fresh perspective to Indian affairs and an Indian perspective to global affairs. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us for today's chat. Hello and welcome to our All Things Policy podcast. And today we have an interesting conversation lined up in the context of preventive and rehabilitation care. I have with me Malti, my colleague from uh, Takshashila, who heads the policy school. I also have uh, Dr. Nandan Kumar, who's a guest for today's episode, and he's a practicing physiotherapist specialized in musculoskeletal and geriatric care. Uh, so welcome, Malti and uh, Nandan. Thank you very much, Somya. Hi, oh, Manti. Hi, Nandan. So, um, while we kind of plunge into uh, this topic, uh, this is something that uh, most of us are curious about. I think preventive and uh, rehab care is a big one today. But we are going to dwell into the framework that I usually use in my podcast is the Samaj Sarkar and the Bazaar components of it. So we'll go first into the macro level of it. So Nandan, can you just take us through a little bit of where, you know, the global atmosphere looks like in the geriatric care and also break it down for us with a little bit of uh, statistics, which will help us understand the magnitude of what's coming in the forefront. What's happening is India at present is in a very growing state of economy. So we are doing very well for ourselves. The main reason for that is almost 65.1% of our population are in the working group. So we have a considerable chunk who are working now. But what we have overlooked is by the year 2036, we are going to peak this and then there is going to be a gradual fall of the number of working population people. And uh, this will definitely have an impact on the way in which our economy is going to take a turn and how we have to think in policy, especially for the elderly care. See, the US had this baby bloomer generation who really worked hard and now they are having a considerable amount of elderly people. The same thing with Japan and even Europe has a considerable amount of elderly people who are uh, cared for. The challenges which we have, are we ready to handle the geriatric population which are going to come in about 20 years down the line? Okay, so uh, when we look at the numbers, it seems like we have a little bit of time to prep up, but it's something we probably need to start working towards already, right? Malti, you want to step in and... Yeah, so, yeah, I do agree with what Nandan is saying and it's it's quite scary because it means in another 13 years, we're going to be hitting that uh, mark, right? So which means... We need, as the government, measures should be put in place now so that we are better prepared in the in the decade uh, or the two decades to, uh, that follow. And now, as we all know, seniors need substantially, you know, across these three areas. One is financial security. They need help. They need to ensure that they're secure. We know that there's, there's growing medical, uh, you know, expenses, which means that the healthcare, as they age, there, there's going to be more uh, expenses, which means that uh, the, even even the geriatric and other areas should be looked into currently we don't we don't we don't focus much on that and of course seniors do need a, su- a good support system now with nuclear families and we are no longer uh, you know we're moving out of the joint family system 
that is something we also need to think about because as seniors uh, it's important that they have a sense of belonging they live with that dignity and having this sort of ecosystem and ensuring that you know we have that system in place you know in the decades to come and, and even the community can and then and support the elderly within and not think of them as you know a, a liability something i think that's very important for all of us to think about now see at present uh, what is happening is government is uh, spending a lot of money on healthcare especially in uh, women and uh, child development providing vaccination for the children uh, making sure that safe deliveries happen uh, decreasing uh, women mortality rate in hospitals and plenty of healthcare uh, facilities are being opened by the government to provide primary healthcare and also secondary and tertiary healthcare for a growing number of population but there is no dedicated system in place to specifically cater for the elderly especially in this in the scenario of healthcare because elderly people require a little different approach it's not like one size fits all elderly people require more like a psychological support a support for assisted living and as you just said about financial support so you can't charge the same amount of money what you would charge for a surgery for an elderly person and a young person as the same because obviously the affordability also will be less so you need to have dedicated healthcare facilities for elderly to take it forward and uh, it's high time that the government starts framing policies specifically to cater to such population in the near future yeah okay so if you're looking at it as uh, you know something that the community also can step in for can you talk about you know in your own experience if you have seen some things work and you know is it too expensive for somebody to opt in like we we have you know spoken in the past in another episode for elderly care on certain things like nightingale and uh, silver talk is doing certain initiatives which keep people equipped both at the cognitive level and keeping themselves fit but that is for people who are more privileged i would say because there's a cost component to it so are there other things that a community at large should step in for Yes in the community level i think uh, we need to start the working on uh, getting the residential welfare associations together and uh, the local uh, corporator and uh, the local mla should be able to you know earmark certain spaces for providing uh, recreational facilities for the elderly and also provide basic health services like simple like blood tests urine tests and uh, you know general health checkup and they should also be able to provide a certain form of psychological support also because not elderly not only require healthcare but also some form of you know community uh, assisted uh, living care at the local level identify elderly people have a place where you know the family members can drop the elderly people over there keep them from morning to evening till the family members come back from work and then pick them up and uh, you know bring them home rather than a full fledged uh, assisted living where they are cared for from morning to evening by a, either a caretaker or in a, a nursing home so the community can identify and earmark such places and this will definitely help uh, go a long way in making uh, elderly care's life much better Yeah I, I agree with that Nandan in fact you know compared to the to the urban the rural uh, sector or the rural areas which where there's a higher population of, of India that India resides in I think we need to keep in mind that in the rural it's more there's not that much of a, a system in place in terms of an, a formal system in place where you know you have these 
separate kind of setups, right? There, it's it's a more of a natural transition as you age, as 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 far as far as you can kind of contribute. And much of our uh, rural is the agrarian society, right, in, uh, in that sector. So as long as you can physically contribute, it's fine. But then, as you age, many times. Because of the economic situation, also of the family, they're kind of caring for uh, small younger children, and then uh, they, they don't have much to go around. It's it's kind of it's just they just tend to slowly fade away, in a way, right? So I think the governments too should think about this, not just from the urban but also from the rural uh, perspective, and see what they can they can put into place that's feasible across uh, these different you know, socio-economic constructs. I agree with you, Malti. There is hardly any facility in the rural area. I, being a practicing physiotherapist, there are hardly any, uh, and I cater to a lot of uh, elderly people, but I practice in a city. But in a rural area, access to rehabilitation care or a rehabilitation center is almost non-existent. Probably the money is not good or people have not opened up to an opportunity which is available. But yeah, unfortunately, it's very poor. Okay. But do you think the market is thriving in this space, right? If we look at, say, home medical care services or the kind of equipments that allow people to kind of, you know, be more comfortable with that phase of life, there's lots happening, right, Nandan? So can you talk about certain things that have probably helped people cope well because of these things? And is there, like you said, a more modest ways in which not so privileged people also can access it? Or I still remember, I think in the clinic, at some point you had stuff that people can, you know, reuse, right? If somebody finishes a phase of uh, recovery, they kind of give it to the next person. So are there uh, such initiatives that are useful for people to know? Yes, the presently the market is slowly opening up and uh, it's more uh, so in the urban uh, center. By the use of technology, what's happening is, I'll give you a simple example. Uh, an elderly person uh, who has uh, suffered a fracture of the hip, uh, he will be using a walker for a couple of days. So after about 10 or 15 days, he doesn't know what to do with the walker. So he needs to, I mean, a walker is an expensive piece of equipment. So he wants to, you know, rent it out to somebody or he wants to give it off to somebody. So now there is an ecosystem which is available where these things are available on rent. That is one. And second, the market is slowly growing up to providing assisted living nursing homes. Some of the hospitals, especially the mid and small sized hospitals, have slowly uh, realized that there is there is some amount of money in especially handling elderly care and they are slowly going away from acute care and working towards you know elderly care there are some assisted living centers which have gradually come up but still we are not able to find a right cost balance how much the elderly person can pay because most of the time the elderly person has to dip into his retirement savings and still the cost is high but over a period of time, I'm confident that with competitions coming along and a lot of other centers opening, we are going to find a level playing field where uh, quite a few such kind of things will happen. Initially, it may happen at the urban area and uh, probably it will trickle down to the rural sector as well. So we'll need to wait and watch. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think the bazaar is one of the, of the, of the golden triangle, right? If you look at the Samar Sarkar and Bazaar. The bazaar or the markets has definitely one that has responded better, uh, especially over the last decade. You'll notice that there are many assistive, assistive uh, devices that are out in the market, and these devices will help extend a senior's independence. Right? 
because the seniors, I mean, the seniors, they're considering a 60 plus, but the change happens very gradually. The motor skills or the cognitive ability, it's kind of deteriorates very gradually. And they themselves, uh, uh, who are, they would have been independent and very active citizens at one point. And then uh, and they might not even own up to the fact that they're not able to do many of the things that they could do even uh, like in a year ago. Right. So it's difficult for them as well. So to ensure that you know, their, their homes are safe and they're more accessible, uh, there are a number of uh, devices that have come into the market. Like, for example, you have the personal alert system. You have cameras that can be fixed for remote monitoring. There are uh, toilet seat uh, you know, risers. There are grab bars that you can um, install in bathrooms or, or, you know, at the entrances. You can have ramps to the entrances of your homes. Like there are adjustable bed and uh, railings that, that can be, uh, you know, fixed uh, for, uh, you know, for, for, the, for the bedrooms. Even touchstone uh, telephones with larger buttons are available now. You know, speaker or hands-free capabilities are available. We have also things like kitchen tools that make it easier to for them to operate. Since the, they're visual, visually too, right? And, I mean, because of low vision, they might not be able to read. So there are, you know, things to assist them in reading. And for them to actually be part of maybe the day-to-day uh, activities and not feel left out. So uh, a bunch of things have come in the market. Of course, it's it's come comes with a price, and which is why it's more accessible to the in the urban areas. But the the good thing is that options are there, and the people can avail it. And uh, of course, it, things like rental options, like you mentioned with the walkers, uh, there are uh, a, a number of medical setups which kind of actually rent out everything from wheelchairs because for post ops, many of these equipment are just need to be used temporarily, right? So things like that are also available. So that's a good thing. It's a good sign. I think we're moving in the right direction. Yeah, but uh, I was also curious to understand, you know, while there is insurance component, right, for surgeries and other things, are there enough instances or rather how does it work with physiotherapy being in the insurance view? Like, does that get reimbursed and how tedious is it or is it something that's ignored? Physiotherapy and rehabilitation uh, is also covered under insurance. Probably the policy uh, will be a little higher. And uh, unfortunately, coming to insurance, what happens is the younger you are, the insurance premium for healthcare is less. But as you grow older, the premium of health insurance is also more. Uh, Two reasons for it. Elderly people uh, coming under the bracket of insurance is also less. So one of the reasons for that is that. The second, and elderly people who fall sick will require prolonged hospitalization stay. His recovery will be longer. He may require more complex surgeries. So probably that is another reason why the insurance is also high. But if sizable chunk of the population, especially the elderly people, are covered under insurance, definitely the cost of uh, caring for these uh, elderly people will be less and uh, physiotherapy and rehabilitation services for such patients also could uh, come under the insurance and it could also be less to provide, I mean, the cost will be much lesser for them. Okay, but do you think as, uh, I mean, in the current scenario, is it compromised because some of these are not covered and somebody can't afford this kind of treatment because no policy supports it? More than compromised, access to care is uh, limited because they know that they won't be able to afford such care. So accessibility for such a care, even though if it is available, will be difficult uh, for them to get. Okay, so now we'll take a quick break and then we'll come back with more uh, deep dive questions.
Yeah, uh, one more thing that uh, I missed mentioning is on the bazaar front is about the caregiving agencies that have cropped up right, over the last decade or so. Again, this is also because uh, in the urban areas, especially larger towns, tier one metros and tier ones, is that we'll notice that many of the children have left and gone abroad. And so their parents are left to fend for themselves. So their finances are secure. So they're able to kind of ensure that uh, that's taken care of, which means that, but the only thing is as they age, they need some support at home, someone younger to help them and give them a hand. So these these agencies have now cropped up. And of course, currently we don't have a policy in place as, as to ensure that these are run with the required you know, in, in terms of ensuring that it's not a scam, because we have had uh, cases where agencies um, kind of charge ex- exorbitant amounts and uh, the quality of care w- won't be monitored as such. And then the children are usually abroad and they, they have to depend on these agencies to ensure that their parents are taken care of. So I think if policies can be brought into place to kind of ensure that this is uh, kind of done in a, you know, that there's more quality care given, that will be good. But uh, the the option being there itself is is nice. The fact that you could have you know, a registered nurse, a qualified nurse to help with post-op, that you have the option of having the 24-7 person just to help with the day-to-day activities. I think all these things are important because it also kind of ensures that the seniors are feeling independent in terms of managing without their children. But at the same time, they have that support system. If not the immediate family, at least they have someone that they can turn to on a daily basis. That's good, Malti. I mean, we have a support system to take care of the basic needs of the seniors and help them out in their, you know, help them out in their uh, journey to recovery. But uh, there's still the psychological impact of uh, being left alone will always be high on their mind. You know, right. seniors will uh, long and miss their uh, Know, near and dear ones. Now, with the advent of uh, nuclear families, elderly people are generally left at home alone and their near and dear ones are not there. Whereas, uh, in if you just rewind yourself 50 years ago, uh, everybody stays together as a joint family and somebody or the other, especially the family members are there to take care of the elderly people, which is lacking now. So, mm-hmm. this is one thing which we need to look into. Yeah, I think, you know, this also lends itself to how a lot of women have compromised careers because they end up being uh, primary caregivers and the fatigue that sets it. We've talked about it in the last episode, but it means that, you know, this at the background, you always have this caution of, oh, I hope this person is fine. And uh, leaving them means you need to check box on multiple uh, safety components to be rest assured. At least some things are taken care, right? I mean, it's not easy. Yeah. Uh, I, I do completely agree with the, the caregiver fatigue uh, that has kind of now been recognized and it's it's not easy, but I think it's important for the caregivers, whether they're family members or otherwise, to actually ask for help right? because it's it's difficult to be doing this day in and day out. So uh, the priority should be that the seniors should be treated with compassion. They should be treated with that kindness and respect, and especially if a, a, you know, an elderly in the family has dementia or Alzheimer's, we know it's very difficult to really be able to manage, you know, kind of handling maybe, you know, deputetic questions or, you know, uh, kind of have us having to go over certain instructions over and over again. So we, uh, the, as caregivers, it's important that they do get that break as well. But at the same time, the elders, elderly also feel that they are wanted, you know, that they're living a kind of a dignified life. And that's important too, because if that, if mentally they're not yeah, happy, yeah. it will definitely tell on that. Uh, physical health also 
Yeah. Also, I think from the infrastructure point of view, right, if we look at small changes that can be made to ensure accidents at home are uh, prevented or just the apathy as a society that we have for senior citizens uh, only shows that we hardly see them around, right, if the pavements are dug up or if there is no access to parks. So, what do you have to say about these yes, things? Yes, uh, infrastructure makes a huge difference and uh, we should have infrastructure catered to elderly people. For example, if you go to a shopping mall, if an elderly person who is living by himself, a mobile elderly person, he should be given priority parking which is closer to the entrance of the shopping mall or uh, there should be easily access to you know using ramps and uh, grab bars near the stairs and obviously non slip flooring all those things are very important especially to you know to cater to the senior citizens and uh, also the government should start pitching in and providing uh, certain kind of services at the senior citizens doorstep itself any of the government citizens for example any bank related services they should be i mean they sh- it should be more like a rule rather than a part of convenience you know it should not be like okay we take care of it it should be like a rule like anybody above 60 we are going to provide this at home many of the government services should be able to be provided at home a notary signature or a gazetted officer signature or whatever it is it should be done at home for the elderly rather than providing asking them to you know wait in the queue or uh, getting things done yeah and uh, i just also yeah that's that's important um, and also the, another point that maybe was not mentioned earlier but the fact that the elderly, right, or for that matter, even us, those of us in this current generation, should remember that we need to plan for our uh, retirement. We need to plan for ensuring that our finances are secure. Because uh, we, um, in the past, when we were in joint families, uh, sort of a system, we, we depended on the children to kind of, uh, you know, take care of us, take care of our needs, um, and uh, that everything was everything would go fine. But that's currently with the increase in expenses. And the nuclear family setup, and especially in the in the urban areas where the cost of living is you know only growing, it's important that uh, you know even those in their thirties and forties start thinking more about their retirement and start saving up for it. And this could be taken by the policies or at least putting some amount aside, and not just completely you know uh, letting the f- uh, future take its course, and thinking that you know my children will take care of me because at some point in time that might become a burden either way. And, you know, it won't be a win-win for sure. Right? So I think the finances aspect is something that people should start thinking about when they're younger itself, to ensure that their retirement and their senior, you know, at, at that age, that things are taken care of. They're not, they're not dependent on, people, on others in the family. Yeah, I think we also need to ensure that people have one, at times have assets maybe, and they don't have it in a liquid uh, liquid format so you know they compromise on treatments because they probably have a property which needs to get sold even for a treatment to happen and instances are there that they are at an age uh, where it's hard for them to go about the entire you know the nitty-gritties of it they're not confident about interacting with a person who could buy the plot or stuff like that so they end up thinking that they don't have the money for treatment whereas they in literal sense they do have it but not in the liquid uh, liquid cash form so are there you know do you also see patients like that like who probably uh, negotiate on the treatment not because they can't afford it but have not thought through it well and that's why you know like malti said the financial stability is a huge component in getting you know 
uncompromised treatment of sorts. Yes, many a times I've seen uh, in my practice, elderly people who have a lot of assets. But uh, what happens is when this happens, there is always some form of you know, fight within the family. Their uh, near and dear ones would be eyeing that. So they don't realize that this particular asset, which is built by their elderly person, is for his own use. Instead, they think it is as a natural transition, it will be, you know, willed to the children and then their grandchildren, etc. So I think education that, you know, or, uh, you know, removing the emotional attachment to that and using it for our own benefit is what I feel, you know, a senior citizen is lacking. And they should be more aware that they should be able to manage their finances better. They would have managed the finances during their working period of their life where they would have earned money, bought a property, kept it with them, thinking that at the time of need, we'll require it. But when the real time of need comes, that is a time when they have to take care of themselves, they are unable to let go. I see a lot of elderly people having that, but they're not, they're unable to let go of that property. They feel that they have an emotional connect and they don't, they are very hesitant to sell it and then use it for their own personal benefit. Yeah. They don't use that. They don't want to let go of it. Yeah. And also maybe the decisions that come with medical emergencies, right? Whether a surgery should be done or not and taking that call. They're not in a cognitive frame of mind, mind. where they can apply a rational decision, decisions. Right? Yeah. 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 Because at the same time, at that age, they also feel a little vulnerable. They feel that they are dependent and all decisions has to be taken by a more uh, you know, uh, other uh, my, their children or their near and dear ones. They will not be in a position to kind of take their own independent decision. This is one of the challenges which I have seen, uh, especially in uh, treatment of uh, treating elderly people. Okay. okay. Unfortunately, this is only going to grow, right? Now with the aging population, we'll see more of this happening. Uh, in fact, that's one of the reasons why things like living will and other things are coming into the picture now, but then uh, you know, to kind of ensure that uh, uh, there's some advanced directive in the form of a legal document that uh, specifies the type of medical care that an individual does or does not want you know, in the event of something happening. So with uh, with the aging, uh, with all of us, with the population aging and the more of it's the more more of the uh, sixty plus or the seniors and the super seniors, I mean. We can be, uh, we can expect more of such things happening right, in the future as well. The other thing I just wanted to mention is that the, uh, the government too has come up with a few schemes. Of course, this is for maybe below poverty level. But one interesting one is the uh, the reverse mortgage scheme. So I think those who are sitting on assets, um, I think this is, this is sort of an innovative program uh, designed for supporting seniors citizens, in which where I think it was introduced back in two thousand seven. Uh, by the Indian uh, Ministry of uh, Finance. And it's sort of like a loan scheme that enables senior citizens to mortgage their residential property and in order to avail themselves of at least of a loan of up to 60% of the homes. So that way, they, they, instead of them liquidifying the uh, the asset and then uh, managing the, the amount, right? Here they are in their own property and then they've kind of uh, mortgaged it out so that uh, they can, uh, they can, they'll be in a better financial situation. There are other schemes, of course, but these are more, uh, you know, for predominantly for uh, below poverty line that the government has uh, introduced. I still feel the awareness of such schemes is still lacking among the elderly people. Yeah. Or they consider it as a taboo. 
you know mm-hmm. are, it's also elderly people when they feel that okay we are mortgaging our house or it's as good as they think that they are selling the house for money so that that mental makeup of how they perceive this scheme may also be different so more awareness has to be created that this is beneficial for them yes definitely especially because that generation also lived in an era where taking loans was not <laughs> it was kind of looked down upon right <laughs> Uh, that's right so i think this should be as a lesson for us because we are now in the working population so when we come at the age of uh, 20 or 20 20 25 years down the line this should be a lesson for us to start thinking in these terms mm-hmm. yeah okay so i think we had quite a serious conversation without <laughs> without anything that we you know could share on the lighter note given the kind of topic we chose to discuss on but on the serious note i think let's also end with reassurance that like you said uh, we'll probably be the better lot which is proactively going to think about healthcare and financial stability and how feasible it's going to be to you know ensure care is given at its optimum right and also build an ecosystem that's very supportive as a community and also uh, be part of what the government policies would look like to ensure you know we have a better senior citizen life that we'll all lead right marty right that's right absolutely uh, hit the nail on that one yes yeah okay thanks nandan thanks marty for being on this conversation uh, thank you thanks nandan yeah thank you it's all right yeah bye 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 If you liked our show, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network. You can tune into them on the IVM podcast app, ivmpodcast.com, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow IVM on social media. The handle is at IVM Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And hey, if you'd like to dive into Takshashila's research on technology, strategy, and economic affairs, check us out at our Twitter handle. at takshashila inst or our website takshashila.org.in